It is now 6 p.m. on January 16th, 2024. And before I get started, I want to make sure that Councillor Don is on. I'm good to go. Awesome, and we can hear you perfectly. I'm going to call this meeting to order. Roll call, please. Alter. Here. Burgess. Here. Dunn. Yes, here. <laughs> Harmson. Here. Mo. Here. Saleh. Yeah. Teague. Here. Motion passes. Uh, uh, <laughs> no motion at all. <laughs> It is a, it's a fun, yeah, yeah. it's a fun day. It, it is, yes. Well, welcome to everyone that is president, council chambers, and uh, um, virtually attending uh, in this moment. We're going to move on to item number two, which is proclamations. We have 2A Human Trafficking Prevention and Awareness Month, and it reads, whereas human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to compel a person and to commercial sexual acts or labor services against their will. Exploitation of a minor for commercial sex is human trafficking, regardless of whether force, fraud, or coercion was used. And whereas one of the world's fastest growing crimes is the buying and selling of people whose growth has been accelerated in recent years, communities in rural Iowa are seeing a significant increase in the number of children victimized by labor trafficking. And whereas there is a large disparity between the number of persons victimized by this horrific crime and the number of persons prosecuted as offenders, with more than 661 victims receiving services in Iowa's direct service programs in 2022, and only three individuals being convicted in Iowa's federal courts for human trafficking and four in Iowa State's appellate courts. And whereas every business, community organization, faith community, family, and individual can make a difference by working to protect the vulnerable within their sphere of influence. And whereas the city of Iowa City joins chains interrupted in, the, in their dedication to providing community outreach and education, legislative advocacy, training, promotion of services to survivors of human trafficking, and collaboration with law enforcement. Now, therefore, I, Bruce Teague, Mayor of Iowa City, do hereby proclaim the month of January to be Human Trafficking Prevention and Awareness Month in Iowa City and encourage all our citizens to become more informed on this growing problem to be vigilant and report suspicious activity and to work towards solutions to end trafficking and all its forms in our community. For assistance with this, reach out to Chains Interrupted at 319-364-0222. If you see something that doesn't look right, reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 888-373-7888. And to receive this proclamation, we have Teresa Davidson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Chains Interrupting, accepting it. Well, thank you to everyone who came out in this bitter cold. <laughs> I'm always wondering why National Human Trafficking Awareness Month has to be in January. But thank you sincerely, Mayor Teague, and all the city council members. Thank you for the important work that you do for our community. Thank you for caring about this issue that destroys the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health of those victimized. Human trafficking can happen to anyone. Every single person in this room fits the profile of a victim, a buyer, and a trafficker. However, traffickers do tend to target those with certain vulnerabilities, especially those who are young. <clears throat> they target desperation, which many of the youth in our community feel right now, whether they are facing abuse at home, bullying at school, blackmail for a photo or video they sent, economic hardships, or just feeling desperate to be a part of something bigger than themselves and are promised an adventure that turns into something that they weren't expecting. As a community, we need to be aware of all parts of this heinous crime. Parents, guardians, teachers, coaches, mentors, and more all need to be aware of how to prevent children from falling victim to this and signs to watch for if they do. 
Those on the front lines need to be aware of the signs their clients may exhibit when involved in trafficking. It's gonna take multiple systems in our community working together to prevent this, free someone trapped in this, and support those who experienced human trafficking to restore their lives. We have some work to do. January has been declared Human Trafficking Awareness and Prevention Month for Iowa City. Please reach out to us for education for your group, business, organization, church, hospital, school, and more. We thank those of you who have already taken this important step. Together, we can take even more steps. Thank you. Great, thank you. All right, we are going to move on to our consent agenda. Um, and can I get a, I know that um, during our work session, um, our uh, city attorney talked about separate consideration for 6A and 6B. That's correct, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mayor, <laughs> got to remember which forum I'm in. Yes. Um, the Public Works has asked that we uh, defer indefinitely uh, 6A and 6B, as there's uh, still a little bit of work yet to be done, and certainly the weather conditions have made it uh, difficult to complete some of the punch list items on those two projects. So I'd ask uh, that those be uh, considered separately and that a motion be made to defer indefinitely uh, those two items. Great. Can I get a motion to approve uh, consent agenda items three through six while removing 6A and 6B for separate consideration? So moved. Harmson. Second. Solid. Moved by Harmson, seconded by Don. <laughs> I heard him. <laughs> All right. And then anyone from the public like to address any item that is on our consent agenda with the exception of 6A and 6B? If you're in person, uh, please step to the podium. If you are online, please raise your hand. Seeing no one in person or online, uh, council discussion. Roll call, please. Mo? Yes. Sella? Yes. Teague? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item number, uh, motion, <laughs> can I get a motion to defer item 6A and 6B indefinitely? So moved, Mo. Sorry, so, second, sorry. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed, motion passes seven to zero. We are on to item number seven, which is our uh, community comment. This is an opportunity for uh, individuals to talk about anything that is not on our agenda. Um, and if you are in person, please um, step to the podium and there is a sign-in sheet where you can write your name. Um, and if you are online, please raise your hand and I'll acknowledge you. Welcome, you have up to three minutes. Hi, my name is Kate, I'm from Iowa City. Um, the proposed city budget has just come out, and with the budget work session on Saturday, I wanted to discuss the police budget for FY25. It's up another 2.8% from the proposed FY24 budget. More than that, the FY24 revised budget is over half a million more than what was proposed. Police spent over half a million extra dollars on top of the egregious $1.6 million increase from FY23. Why is that? Why is the council allowed to vote retroactively to approve money that's already been spent? Subsequently, last year in April, um, to quote city manager Jeff Bruin, um, he pointed out that the police department has ended each one of these years under budget and has not required any supplemental funding. But according to the proposed budget this year, that did not occur. Um, FY24 has a revised budget accounting for expenditures that exceed the proposed budget, and this could happen again in FY25. Your constituents are telling you that we do not want that. In 2019, custodial arrests made up only 40% of total arrests, 37% in 2020, and it skyrocketed to 74% in 2021 and 76% in 2022. Why is there such a sudden increase in the proportion of arrestees taken into custody, especially since most types of violent crime are trending down, according to the ICPD annual report? How are your crime statistics gathered? Are the crimes listed the charges initially entered, or are they the charges someone is actually convicted of? Furthermore, the FY26 projected budget is around 18.5 million, yet the strategic plan wants less police response by fiscal year 28. If our city's overall goal is to decrease the amount of police responses in our community, why are we projecting that we will be investing more money into our police department? 
Investing more money into the police seems to go against the city's strategic plan that they pride themselves on. I'm here today supported by a group of comrades to ask the city of Iowa City why. Why does this extra money go towards? What does this extra money go towards? The largest place that the police budget is spent on is patrol. We do not want more patrol. Police patrol does not make our community safer. Why are we not investing in the strategies laid out in the city's strategic plan for safety and well-being? If we're following the strategies set forth, we would invest in alternative models of public safety, partnerships with nonprofits, fostering connections, and developing safe and accessible public areas. It's my understanding that the council does not have all the power when it comes to certain aspects of the budget, but where you do hold power is the general fund, which is where the police budget comes from. You have the power to create material change in your community that's in alignment with the vision of your constituents and the city's strategic plan, but you must act now. Increasing the police budget will only further endanger the most vulnerable in our community. We call upon you to end the cycle of upholding violent systems. When you put more money into the police under the guise of public safety, you ignore all of the real and tangible avenues that lead to safety and instead create a more hostile and militarized environment. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address a topic that is not on our, con on our agenda? Seeing no one in person or online, we're gonna move on to items eight, which is planning and zoning matters. 8A is rezoning 1201 West Benton Street and Councilor Moe will be recruiting himself from this item. An ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 70.78 um, acres of land located at 1201 West Benton Street from low density residential to low density multifamily residential. The applicant is requesting expedited action. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, is requesting expedited action. Yes. Uh, I have it. I can go ahead. Wait, uh, I'm sorry. Not right now. Not right now? Yeah, no, no, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I move that the rule requiring that ordinances must be considered and voted on for passage at two council meetings prior to the meeting at which it is to be finally passed be suspended, that the first consideration and vote be waived, and that the ordinance be given second consideration and vote at this time. Moved by Alter. Alter. Second. Second by Saleh. Um, anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your hand. If you're in person, please step to the podium. Seeing no one in person or online, council discussion. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Roll call, please. Saleh? Yes. Teague? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Can I get a motion to pass and adopt? Uh, six to zero for the uh, record, you Mayor. Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah. Correct. Six to zero. Can I get a motion to pass and adopt? Move. Second. second. All right. Moved by Saleh, seconded by Harmson. Roll call, please. Teague? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Sela? Yes. Motion passes six to zero. Can I get a motion to accept correspondence? So moved, Burgess. Second, Alter. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed, motion passes six to zero. All right. We're gonna move on to item number 8B, which is zoning code amendment. Um, Reduction of maximum allowable height in the RNS 12 zone. Councilor Moe is recruiting himself from this item as well. Uh, this is an ordinance amending Title 14 zoning to reduce the maximum allowable height and the neighborhood stabilization re residential zone from 35 feet to 27 feet for single family and duplex uses. And this is um, our motion to pass and adopt. Could I get a, a motion, please? Move. Second. Alter. Moved by uh, Saleh. Seconded by Alter. And anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your hand and I'll acknowledge you. If you're in person, please step to the podium. Seeing no one, council discussion. Roll call, please. Alter. Yes. Burgess. Yes. Dunn. Yes. Harmson. Yes. Sella? Yes. Teague? No. Motion passes five to one. 
8C, uh, Comprehensive Plan Amendment, resolution to amend the Comprehensive Plan Future Land Use Map for property located north of I-80 and west of North Dodge Street at the end of Moss Ridge Road from Office Research Development Center to Intensive Commercial. Can I get a motion to approve, please? So moved, Alter. Second, Burgess. All right, and welcome, Danielle. Thank you, Mayor. Danielle Sitzman, Neighborhood and Development Services. As you said, this is an, a comprehensive plan amendment. There will be a separate rezoning uh, a case after this with the CZA that we have received. So um, the owner and applicant in this case is Stephen Moss. They are interested in selling approximately 61 acres of property located north of Interstate 80 and west of Highway 1 North Dodge Street. The applicant submitted, like I said, two applications to allow future commercial uses here. ATI Group is interested in developing the property for transportation and warehousing facilities. The owner plans to accomplish this through a comprehensive plan amendment to change the future use uh, map designation in the comprehensive plan from Office Research Development Center to intensive commercial and to also, like I say, uh, accomplish a zoning map amendment. The comprehensive plan amendment must be approved for changes to the zoning map to be consistent with comprehensive plan. That's why this one is coming first. Um, the subject properties are in the North Corridor Planning District, but there is no district plan uh, for this area. One has not yet been developed. Um, shown on the map is the location of the subject property. As I mentioned, it's north of I-80 and west of uh, North Dodge Street. Uh, in between it and North Dodge Street is the former Pearson uh, building shown there, and the rest of the area is largely undeveloped. Um, there is a street uh, connection to this property, Moss Ridge Road, which the city did develop ourselves in 2015, and the city does own some of the property that is undeveloped to the northeast of the subject property. This shows the current comprehensive plan uh, designation, future land use map designation, uh, northwest corner, top left corner in, in blue is the subject area. The comprehensive plan serves as a land use uh, planning guide, policy guide, and illustrates the uh, configuration and location of appropriate land uses in this map. Um, the subject properties were long ago identified as appropriate for office and research park style development. Um, they have great access to I-80 interchange, North Dodge Street, and then the city first uh, interest in this kind of development as far back as, as the 60s and 70s. Since that time, every time we've updated our comprehensive plan, we've kind of just memorialized what the forces were already at work uh, in this area and designated it as appropriate for Office Research Development Center. Um, that includes the most recent comprehensive plan update, which was in 2013, occurring at about the same time there was last interest in development in this area, which was roughly 2010-2015, the last time this area was subject to uh, rezonings or, or platting. Um, the proposals, like, set, like I said, concurred, right, occurred during the comprehensive plan uh, process and so nothing was changed on the map at that time. However, um, nothing actually was ever developed. Um, in 2010, I, as I said, there was a concept proposed, there was rezoning actions and planning in 12 and 15, um, but none of those plans ever came to fruition. Um, so the land is still essentially va vacant. Uh, and the currently proposed concept, which would be in that black circle, the purple area, um, does require a, a reevaluation of the um, future land use appropriate <coughs> in this area. When we do that kind of reevaluation, um, it's a comprehensive plan amendment, and we have criteria in our ordinance that we follow in, in conducting that an analysis. And applicants are uh, able to request this kind of amendment as they consider redevelopment. So we'll go through those criteria here quickly. And the first one is whether circumstances have changed or there's additional information since the last time the comp plan was updated. And we certainly feel that's the case here for this property. As I said, the development interest over time has changed. Uh, the uses in this area have changed. Pearson's no longer operating in this area. And we've seen quite a bit of uh, demand drop for office space, uh, even most recently with the pandemic. Um, there's certainly a clear shift to a different kind of working, working from home, and that the major operators of Office Research Park in this area have also accordingly <coughs> changed their operations. Uh, that includes the ACT campus farther south as well as Pearson. Can I interrupt just for a minute? Just for like clarification, I know that the land is for sale, but ACT has not closed its office. Okay. Just, I just don't want people to freak out. It, like, we're still out there. Thank you. Um, 
So let me just back up here a second then. So either, regardless, yeah. office demand has clearly changed and we see that there's a, certainly a, a, an overall, because of these trends, a public interest in reviewing the property's future land use uh, in this circumstance. The second criteria is whether the proposed amendment is compatible with other uh, policies and provisions of the comprehensive plan. Um, we feel that it is, it fulfills economic de development policies expressed throughout the, the plan itself, um, trying to build a resilient economy, adjusting to changes in the economy as they come along, um, looking for ways for development to be, uh, continue to be compact and efficient and make use of good resources uh, as it does so. Um, as I mentioned, there is no district plan for this area. There is a fringe area agreement for, that does control county uh, land, uh, the county's development policies and the city's interaction nearby. Um, the proposed amendment is consistent with the goals and strategies in the comp plan related to building that resilient economy, focusing on creating commercial nodes um, to efficiently use resources like highways, while protecting valuable features such as open space, farmland, and residential neighborhoods. Um, this uh, development would allow, um, uh, would align with the expressed um, desire for this particular area that was included in the comprehensive plan, like I said in 2013, supporting redevelopment here in some, uh, in some form. So this is the next steps where we're at. Like I said, there are two applications. The first one we're considering is the one highlighted in orange. Following that would be the rezoning. Um, this property actually has conditions uh, included in the rezoning that would require it to also go through a planning process. And then with all commercial development, there would be site plan and building permits as well. So based on a review of the relevant criteria, staff did recommend approval of the amendment. And at its December 20th meeting, the Planning and Zoning Commission concurred with staff's opinion and recommended approval of the complaint amendment by a vote of six to zero. Um, applicant did not choose to, to use a good neighbor policy in this case, but staff has also not received any public comments regarding the proposed amendment. We do still do our public notice and hearing that we're required to do regardless of whether a good neighbor meeting is held. Um, Tonight, I do know representatives are in the audience. If you have questions, um, you can certainly call on them to answer them. I believe they may also be on Zoom, so keep an eye out for a hand raised there. Okay. That concludes my presentation on the comp plan. Any questions for Danielle? I, I do have one. Uh, really, the question should be about whether it's uh, proper to bring up right now or during the proposed zoning amendment. Um, which, which would be a, a better time to have a conversation about the sensitive areas on the property? I will say my presentation on the rezoning touches on the sensitive areas that are in this area, uh, on this property. Um, it does uh, really just end up being a matter that would be at a future review. So I don't know if you have specific questions about the sensitive areas ordinances apply to this property, but I would guess rezoning is probably more appropriate to talk about it. I would agree, okay. Councillor Dunn. I think the next item is probably the best uh, forum for your questions. Okay, thank you. Is it accurate to say that regardless of what the comprehensive plan says, says about this space, uh, sensitive areas would still need to be reviewed? Yes, those Housing are part of the zoning industry. code and our regulatory feature. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, very appropriate to talk about uh, this as we in our work session talked about amending the comprehensive plan. We have something in our comprehensive plan that is not maybe what we need a whole lot more of in the future. So this is a good case study for us. All right, thank you. And I'm assuming none of the development team want to say anything at this point, just available for questions. Okay, welcome. I'll sign in a minute. Uh, I'm Michael Mullenbrook with McClure. Uh, Tyler Leo with ATI is also on the call. Um, we know this is the first time this application has been in front of you, and uh, we're here for questions if you have them. I just want to say that city staff has been great to work through this with. It's been an interesting property over time, and, and uh, it's exciting to be moving forward. So thank you. Thank you. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your hand. Seeing no one in public or in, in person. Um, council discussion. Mm -hmm. 
I would just say that I uh, appreciate the work that's gone into this application, uh, as well as the staff explanation that we got here before us. Um, I really don't have any any problem with anything that we're we're looking at. I think it makes a lot of sense um, with the with the changed market conditions that we've all been able to see, um, almost certainly in our own lives. Okay. Roll call, please. Fergus. Yes. Dunn. Yes. Harmson. Yes. Mo. Yes. Saleh. Yes. Teague. Yes. Alter. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item 8D, rezoning Moss Ridge Road. Ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 61.72 acres of land located north of I-80, west of North Dodge Street at the end of Moss Ridge Road from Research Development Park Zone, Interim Development Re Research Park Zone, and Highway Commercial with a planned development overlay zone to intensive commercial zone. And I'm gonna open the public hearing and welcome Danielle again. Thank you, Mayor. As I said, this is the second two applications. This is the rezoning for the same subject property for the same purposes. Um, the proposed rezoning is aimed at development of an intensive commercial use, which aligns with the current changes and trends that we mentioned, that I mentioned we are seeing today. Furthermore, this location is near other warehousing uses and has few neighbors. It's appropriate uh, for considering a more intensive land use. Um, the property has three existing zoning districts applied to it, shown here in this exhibit, including an overlay zone, so that O, that o district that you just saw in the um, introduction there, um, and has a variety of conditions applied to it through the previous rezoning process through a conditional zoning agreement. Um, it, it was based on a previous development concept and a master plan approved, like I said, in the 2010-2015 time, time frame. Um, no development ever occurred other than the city to build a street network to connect in this property. Um, so really at this point, those conditions are no longer relevant and would, are not being proposed to be carried forward. Um, the conditions that are included in this rezoning um, case at the end are relevant to the proposal of concept as far as we know it, and I'll go through those as we get to them in the presentation. Um, so the proposed rezoning is to an intensive commercial CI1 zone. Um, it's the least intense, intense commercial zone, or it's also not an industrial zone, that allows the type of use contemplated by the current developer. Um, staff worked with the development team to identify that zone for them to request to make sure that um, it was what they needed for the Excuse concept me. that they had in mind, but not any more intense or expansive than what we thought was appropriate and uh, identified in the comprehensive plan amendment change that you just approved. Um, it does require, because it's a commercial zone, site, a commercial site development standards to be reviewed and approved. Um, we think that's a good thing. Um, the commercial site development standards are more stringent, more um, uh, expansive than those for industrial. Um, industrial tends not to be as design uh, in, uh, focused versus commercial, which is, and we think that's important for this site. Um, if you're interested in what other uses would be allowed, that was included in the staff report. Um, there are a variety of other uses besides what the applicant's considering. Um, I will say that even though there's quite a few of them, they all do still have provisions usually attached to them. So um, while it is opening the door to commercial, um, our code does have backstops built into it for things that would be impactful. And we do go through additional reviews for standards for anything happening outside. So the outdoor display, there's um, landscaping and screening requirements built into our code to address those. Um, this is the concept so far that they've developed. Um, they really don't have to have a concept at this point. They are not requesting an overlay zone, so no OPD as part of their rezoning. Um, they do not need to request that O rezoning because they're not impacting sensitive areas. Um, if they were proposing impacts to sensitive areas, that would have triggered an OPD rezoning. Um, the previous rezoning conditions, as I mentioned, are no longer really relevant. They were focused on creating a cohesive design as part of that master planned office park that did need an OPD rezoning to have certain waivers um, from base standards. Um, they're not requesting that as part of their uh, proposal or the rezoning. 
<clears throat> and as I mentioned, future deve development would also need to be reviewed to the criteria applicable to commercial site development standards. And the commercial site development standards ensure, like I said, that commercial development is compatible in scale and intensity to surrounding development. Um, it does have standards for screening of outdoor el elements visible to the public. It also ensures safe pedestrian and vehicle circulation. Uh, the criteria that we use for a rezoning review are, are fairly basic. Uh, we look at the consistency of the comprehensive plan and compatibility with the surrounding neighborhood. Consistency with the comprehensive plan uh, was uh, ensured through the last action that you just took, the comprehensive plan amendment. Um, the comprehensive plan background acknowledges that the city has taken steps to direct employment growth into this area and has made investments ourselves here. Um, and we specifically see the Moss Ridge location as a beneficial place for businesses that require close access to Interstate 80. Regarding uh, compatibility with the existing neighborhood, this particular property is bordered by agricultural, where other warehousing and office, um, the interstate, as well as light industrial and indoor recreation and some uh, city-owned property as well. Uh, the commercial site development standards serve as a way to manage future commercial development here, as I mentioned. Um, Staff does find that the property would have minimal impact on the existing neighborhood character due to the majority of the land to the west of this uh, and north being undeveloped. There is still developable land to the west of this particular property uh, before it is abutting to any residential areas. Uh, as I mentioned, because they're not impacting sensitive areas, there's no sensitive areas plan included with this rezoning as there would be typically. Um, we can address sensitive areas. We do review sensitive areas in a couple different ways, uh, different steps of development. One of those uh, steps could be at site plan. If a commercial site plan were to come in, um, we would simply look at um, the sensitive area on that site. Staff is actually proposing a condition that would require a prelim and final plat. That's a stage earlier in the development process with a more holistic uh, approach to sensitive areas. We think that's a better way to um, actually make sure that the sensitive areas throughout the entire property are addressed earlier in the process rather than waiting on a site-by-site -site analysis. So that condition uh, is included in the recommended conditions here that they do a preliminary plat. Uh, another element of previous development here was the filing of a traffic study in 2012. That was based on that former master plan, uh, which is no longer the development concept. And so we do also want to see an update to that traffic study before we would get into the approval of specific development. So that is also included as a condition on this um, rezoning. So as I mentioned, second of two applications where this is the rezoning stage, including those three conditions. And the third condition having to do with um, water main design and extension of a water main. So based on the review of the relevant criteria, staff did recommend approval with those conditions. At their December 20th meeting, the Planning and Zoning Commission concurred and also voted six to zero uh, for uh, the rezoning to proceed with those conditions. Uh, we have, as I said, received the conditional zoning agreement signed tonight. And that concludes my staff report, and I'm happy to answer questions. Okay. I guess um, just go start with my question uh, about the sensitive areas. Um, I, I noticed the staff report mentioned um, there was a certain section of it that would potentially, <clears throat> excuse me, that could potentially be considered for uh, the National Registry of Historic Places. Would you be able to go into some detail on that, um, as well as, um, you know, what section of the property it is, and uh, also any archeological um, aspects of the property. So that is in reference to archeological resources. Um, anything having to do with historic uh, is in regard to archeological sites. I don't have that study in front of me. We tend not to actually divulge that information because it can lead to those resources being prematurely removed by people who trespass. So um, what we do is we require those resources to be um, studied and cataloged uh, by the Office of the State Archaeologist, and then they determine whether they should be uh, removed or mitigated or left in place. So I don't have that information with me tonight, but if you're interested in it, Councillor Dunn, we can provide it to you. 
But we've been assured that those uh, those sites will not be affected by this development. Right, they're they're regulated um, through our sensitive areas ordinance, and they're required to uh, contract with a qualified third party to study those. It ends up tending to be the office of the state archaeologist. Okay. <laughs> Any other questions for Danielle? I'm pretty sure that I'm putting the as is my uh, theme for the night, putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but can you go to the the visual of what the proposed, just the... Sure. Yeah. This is just a rough uh, concept. Exactly. Totally understand that. Yep. So, um, I'm interested in that in relation to the traffic study, because it looks like there's only that one road, Moss Road. Right. Moss Ridge Road, sorry, that then empties out onto Dodge, is that correct? Right. So would part of the traffic study be f only looking at existing, so the, the existing traffic study so the or patterns? Right. Sorry. The purpose of a traffic study is to determine whether there are offsite improvements that need to be made okay. to some other part of the road network to ensure that it functions. The 2012 traffic study actually probably was looking at more intense traffic mm -hmm. uses okay. because of the nature of the mix of commercial and s mm -hmm. support services versus what may ultimately end up being here, which is more of logistics mm -hmm. use with very little office or very little customers coming to the site. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, the scope of the traffic study would certainly extend beyond the site. It would look at the entire street network mm -hmm. and whatever road design they end up proposing, the connections and the potential generation of traffic on site and how that traffic would disperse into the rest of the network. Okay. So until they identify those uses yeah. or a more concrete um, street network, we really can't say for sure. No, but even that but, explanation helps. Yep. Contextualize it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your hand, your virtual hand. And if you're in person, please step to the podium. Seeing no one in person, or online. Um, before I close the public he um, hearing, I just wanted to see with my fellow counselors if you're inclined to vote with PNZ. Yes. All right, we have a majority, uh, not enough some heads. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna close the public hearing. Could I get a motion to give first consideration? Move, Saleh. Second, Mo. Council discussion. I think it's an interesting way to kind of have a, a new lease on life for this area that kind of had one direction essentially go stagnant and then with <laughs> the way that everybody is doing business this time, I'm excited that there's um, a possibility for it moving forward. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Roll call, please. Done. Yes. Harmson? Yes. Mo? Yes. Sela? Yes. Teague? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. We're on to our regular formal agenda, and we'll start with 9A 2023 sanitary sewer repairs, resolution approving project manual and estimate of cost for the construction of the 2023 sanitary sewer repairs project, establishing amount of bid security to accompany each bid, directing city clerk to post notice to bidders, and fixing time and place for receipt of bids. I'm gonna open the public hearing and welcome Joe. Joe Welter from Engineering. So this is one of uh, several projects that we do on an annual basis to uh, continually uh, repair and uh, fix our sanitary sewer system. And this particular project uh, focuses this year on 10 different locations. Um, the locations are often spread around town, so uh, we have a little bit of a concentration in kind of the east, southeast side of town, um, but also heading towards downtown a little bit with the Washington Street repair. 
Um, in this project this year, we're going to be mainly focusing on some manholes. We'll be installing a new manhole um, that's on the Highland uh, location. There's several um, manholes that are damaged that are gonna be repaired. Several um, lamp holes, which are just basically a way to look down into the sewer but not really access it um, very well. We're gonna be replacing those with actual manholes so that we can get our equipment and personnel down in, in the sewers if need be. We do have a couple of locations where we're removing and replacing damaged pipes. Uh, of course, we restore any private sanitary sewer services that are encountered. And uh, when we're all done, we'll be replacing pavement and our grassed areas. Um, $313,000 is our cost, estimated cost for this. Uh, we look to award uh, open bids next month and award bids. Uh, the project will start in April and uh, we're planning on completing that at the end of September, uh, which is the end of the seating, uh, seating deadline. Uh, Stanley Consultants designed this project and um, again, it's part of our regular maintenance and repair of this system every year. Any questions? Joe, how do you determine the locations for these repairs? Yeah, so our sewer collections crew goes around with their camera on a regular basis, um, televising, uh, videotaping the sewers, um, and uh, very interesting videos, uh, captivating videos. Um, but, but we find different areas of town, it's like this is something that we really need to address um, soon, this is something that can wait, and so we make a priority list. We have a, a roughly a budget of uh, $500,000 a year, and so we also have to think about, well, we have some repairs to make. We also, uh, on the same CIP, we often line sewer pipes and manholes, so the pipes are gonna stay in place, the manholes are gonna stay in place, the sewer is gonna stay active, but we're gonna line them. And then we've also been in recent years using that same CIP to abandon some pipes that are gonna stay in place. We're not gonna dig them up and, and remove them, but we wanna fill them so that they don't cause issues in the future. So. We kind of have to weigh, well, what are, we, what are we gonna do in each of those different areas? And so um, as we go along, we decide, okay, this is, this is becoming more of a priority or this, um, this needs to move up and this moves, needs to move back and those kind of things, so. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Sewer backups, does, does that also configure into the locations? Uh, sewer backups in the main or in services? I would say, in the main? Are very rare. Um, okay. Most of the time, if we're getting a sewer backup in the main, uh, it's usually because there has been a pipe failure in some way or there's a sag, the pipe has sagged in some way. Those tend to be, dig them up, completely replace them. Sometimes they fit into this. This is usually small sections, like we're replacing 10 feet of pipe or 15 foot of pipe. Sometimes what you're talking about, that ends up being more of an emergency situation or it ends up being something where we have to plan out a whole project that involves you know, sort of a, a whole block or a half a block. Those end up tending to be either, we gotta do this right now, it's an yes. emergency, or this, we need to sit and think about how to do this and we'll hire a consultant for that and go through a whole process. This tends to be more of these are small little repairs. We're gonna hire one consultant, or one, one consultant, one contractor, get unit prices for all that so that we, we, instead of dividing this up into 10 small projects, we get some economy of scale by putting them together. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Appreciate the use of technology to make these repairs surgical as opposed to whole replacement of old pipes. Um, and I know this is not what we're looking at today, but I'm curious, is there a long list of these that you guys have a prioritized list coming up? We don't run out of opportunities. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we have about a three-year schedule, we, two to three years that we're working on. So we kind of have an A list, a B list, and a C list. So the A list kind of ends up being the most 
um, uh, highest priority and then and then down from there so often the B list becomes the A list for the next year but not not always some things come up and uh, we don't get around to every pipe but on about a three-year cycle so as our crews are televising that they're finding new things that maybe they didn't see three or four years ago and so that can move something up or down on the list as well the access to the repair also significantly impacts what makes this type of project and what might become a bigger CIP. If it's right in the middle of the street, that's, that's great, that's fine. If it's at, in the back of a property and there's fences and sheds and all kinds of different things in the way or it's down in a ravine, those kinds of things make it more complicated. Those often don't make it onto this project. They might become a bigger uh, CIP, individual CIP project. Thanks. I might hey. be. Oh, go right ahead. Actually, my question is uh, simply it was working off from what you were talking about and you were with those, like when it was a main line or something. And I'm assuming that's like, a, like if there's a water break or something, right? Like we had on um, court not long ago, right? And simply because we're coming up on budget season are there two different kind of like for like money for emergencies for that type of thing or is it coming out of one big pot does that impact then the money that you have for these more planned well events? I believe you're talking about a water main break yeah we're talking about oh sanitary and your sanitary sanitary sewer, sewer. Which, which is a little bit different but but you are correct in the sense that this project is also used for emergencies with uh, sanitary sewer okay. repairs. Yeah, sorry about my that, That's fine. And and then the, the water similarly has, okay, we're going to replace this whole run of pipe because the pipe needs to be replaced versus we have a break, which often um, we're either making those repairs with our crews or we're hiring a contractor that has one CIP and then we have a separate CIP that's for like the surface restoration. Okay. So a lot of those repairs get made in the winter time and we can't uh, put down new concrete or asphalt at that time. And so a lot of those um, surface restorations are being done on a separate CIP. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. For, especially for working through where I was getting things conflated. Thanks. No, that's that's fine. It's uh, it's there's a lot of different places where we're using the same funds to, but different CIP numbers. But okay. it's it's kind of the same enterprise funds. Great. Yeah. Hearing no other questions for you. Thank you. Thank Anyone? You. Yes. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online and you want to address this, please raise your virtual hand. Seeing no one in person or online, I'm going to close the public hearing. Can I get a motion to approve, please? So moved, Burgess. Second. Oh. All right. Council discussion. Glad we have a good sewer system. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Roll call, please. Harmson? Yes. Mo? Yes. Saleh? Yes. Teague? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. 9B is 2024 <laughs> parking garages, maintenance and repair. Resolution approving project manual and estimate of cost for the construction of the 2024 parking garages, maintenance and repair project. Establish an amount of bid security to accompany each bid, directing city clerk to post notice to bidders, and fixing time and place for receipt of bids. And I'm going to open the public hearing and welcome again, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. So this is also an annual repair project uh, just on our parking garages. And um, this year we are focusing, we have six different uh, ramps. This year we're focusing on the Capitol Street ramp. Uh, and it's structural work that we're doing this time around. So sometimes these projects will have electrical work or HVAC work or mechanical work. This year, we're really focusing on this one ramp and all structural repairs. So we'll have areas that we're resealing, uh, areas we're filling with epoxy or putting new membrane down. Um, we do have a couple of stem repairs, which are going to in involve a fiberglass reinforced plastic mesh. Um, there's some flashing that needs to be redone, some spalls and some uh, broken concrete that's going to be removed and then replaced. 
Um, this is also doing some stairwell maintenance in that ramp. Uh, the project that's going on right now, the 23 project, is um, similar types of things on the stairwells at Dubuque Street and Tower Ramp. And so this is going to be very similar to that. The last thing that we get quite often on uh, the type of ramp that Capitol Street is, is the, the plates, the joints uh, are welded together and the, the weld breaks. And so we got to take the joint out, re-weld the joint together, and then re-put the, the joint back together. So that's often um, done and we have to bring in uh, welders to do that. So that's the type of things that we're doing this year on, on the annual maintenance project. The estimated cost is 366000 um, I coordinated this so I'd have the same council night and the same bid opening and the same award night, so I don't know. But all right, same dates there, but the construction is going to start in May. Uh, it's a relatively uh, compact schedule, but it's also the work is um, uh, doesn't involve a lot of subs. It's going to be one, one contractor primarily, and so we're hoping to get that done and uh, completed before um, students come back for the university schedule. So starting in late May, hopefully ending in mid-August. Mid Shive Hattery is our designer on this, and uh, they did a, been our designer for several years now and did an excellent job on this. Questions? How many parking spots get lost during the construction? We limit it. Uh, so uh, generally it's limited to 60 spots at a time. There are times of the day or days of the week that sometimes parking will say, okay, well, we can, we can go a little bit over that 60 spaces. Um, the parking ramps haven't generally been full since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, the one exception is sometimes Capitol Street gets fairly, fairly full. But uh, sometimes we just have to push people up a little bit further to that fourth or fifth level, which haven't been getting as much parking in recent years. But it doesn't tend to be an issue that we run out of spots. It's more the issue tends to be that people park in the spots that we've said not to park in and we have to move <laughs> the cars around. And then people are confused where their car went to. So that tends to be more of the issue than the spots that are, that are taken. Are there any penalties for the contractor to not finish on time? Yes, uh, there are. There are liquidated damages on this project. Um, the contractors that we've had bid in recent years, and we've had s about three different contractors do this type of work, have been excellent to work with, so I don't anticipate issues with that. Um, so, and again, it, we kept this project relatively to a safe uh, things that they're used to doing regularly. There's not any kind of weird different things that we're doing on this project, so. And then last question. Um, this parking garage, I assume, has a lot of life left in it. Like the investment is absolutely worth it. There's many, many, many more years of life in this parking garage. Is that true? We hope so. Okay, you hope so. <laughs> So. More confidence. <laughs> we, uh, we just got done. Shive Hattery did a, a new planning document for us, and all of the ramps uh, were, uh, went from fair condition up to excellent condition. So, and a lot of that had to do with the age of the ramp. So Capitol Street and Dubuque Street are our oldest ramps. They have more of a fair condition. Harrison Street is a relatively new ramp, uh, being... Uh, five, six years old, and it, ha it got an excellent rating. So as they get used more, as uh, the wear and tear goes on it, the condition of the ramp is going to degrade over time as well. So um, there isn't any thought that the ramp's going to be out of commission anytime soon. So. I will use that opportunity to preview your CIP meeting because the annual budget for these repairs is, is going up considerably. Um, we generally looked at that $500,000 range, and I think by the end of the five years, we're trying to get to about $1.5 so we do project some larger needs in order to maintain those ratings that Joe's talk, talking about, but um, we'll get into those details next week. Yeah, part of that is a part of that planning document that we just did was looking at chloride levels in the in the pavement concrete itself and uh, how much intrusion there is of chlorides which are coming directly from uh, application of uh, 
brine and, and salt materials this time of year, and then that penetrating down into the cement, which tends to de deteriorate the concrete. And that's one of the things we really wanted to look at to address your question uh, more in depth is how do we know how well the, con the, the concrete's doing or how, how well do we know that the uh, penetration of those chlorides isn't getting to the metal inside of the concrete. And that's one of the things that we really wanted to do, hmm. so. Okay. Thank you much. Thank you. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your virtual hand. And if you're in person, please step up. Seeing no one in person or online, I'm gonna close the public hearing. Can I get a motion to approve, please? So moved, alter. Second, Fergus. Council discussion. I just think that um, as with all of our okay. projects, the more communication and public announcements we can say, including maybe even some just some signage about like, just keep going up, go up, you know, so that they, people know that they can park, but that they don't, dude, where's my car? <laughs> all right. Roll call, please. Mo? Yes. Sela? Yes. Teague? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. We are on to item number 10, which is our announcements of vacancies previous. 10A, um, we're gonna go with Charter Review Commission, nine vacancies to fill a one-year term beginning April 1st, 2024, and ending no later than April 1st, 2025. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Ad Hoc Truth and Reconciliation Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Airport Zoning Board of Adjustment, one vacancy to fill a five-year term. Airport Zoning Commission, one vacancy to fill a six-year term. Port of Appeals, one vacancy for an HVAC or building design professional or a qualified trade representative with experience and training to fill a five-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, East College Street, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Historic Preservation Commission, Jefferson Street, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, Woodlawn Avenue, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Public Art Advisory Committee, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Public Art Advisory Committee, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Senior Center Commission, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. And these vacancies will remain open until filled. We're at item number 11, which is City Council information. Can I just do a huge thank you to our Parks and Rec and our um, road crews for just probably not tirelessly, probably in a very, very tired fashion, but by keeping at it and trying to make sure that people are safe and that the roads are clear and um, working to get trees out of roads and yards. And so I just, uh, heartfelt thank you. I think piggybacking mm -hmm. off of that, I actually had, had sent a uh, city manager a request for some storm by the numbers um, to put mm -hmm. together some numbers. So if I miss something here, uh, Jeff, you want to chime in, but I'll hit a few highlights. Um, 250 miles of streets that are have to be plowed. Uh, to do those 250 miles of streets, there are 26 staff in, in the streets department that do snow plowing. Um, they have 14 plow dump trucks, 11 end loaders, and a motor grader. Um, I believe they were doing some of 16-hour shifts, two different teams essentially on 16-hour shifts during the height of our two back-to-back -back snowstorms. Um, let's see, some of the things uh, still calculating, the number of hours of overtime plus the, the cost in salt, sand, extra fuel, um, and uh, extra maintenance. Um, our other departments, in addition to the wonderful work of our streets department, you mentioned parks and rec and forestry, also clears all kinds of trails. Um, they have staff that do that. 
Uh, we have our emergency uh, departments, uh, fire department and uh, uh, Iowa City Police Department. Um, looks like they had um, 74 different accidents ICPD responded to in this time period, although um, they don't, uh, this doesn't break down whether or not how much was weather and how much were injuries. Um, Let's see, it looks like ICPD had 208 calls for motorist pedestrian assists from the morning of the 9th to the morning of the 16th. Uh, it says uh, several calls were for officers to give rides to unhoused individuals or bus patrons with no other mode of transportation when the buses were not out. I also heard a little rumor that we had other members of city staff, uh, some who might be in this room, who when we had to cancel the uh, uh, bus service for safety reasons uh, during the first snowstorm, uh, they happened to have a big old four-wheel drive pickup truck, Redmond's one of them, <laughs> who uh, there were several people who were stranded at the downtown hub and then spent several hours uh, um, and Redmond, you probably know if you want to shout out to anybody else who is doing this, or Jeff knows, um, just with their personal vehicles, we're giving people rides home. So excellent uh, neighborly uh, kind of behavior. Um, Iowa City Fire Department, of course, was also, also helping calls. Um, sounds like they had 235 different incidents um, for various things over the, uh, over the time when everybody else was hunkering down inside, and so they were out um, still doing their jobs. Um, and uh, we'll probably get, I'm sure we'll probably get um, uh, some more information. Um, oh, and uh, certainly the shelter house busy keeping a um, uh, number of guests in the emergency shelter and winter shelter, I think ranging from, depending on the day, 130 to over 150 uh, different people who were taking advantage of those services. Um, uh, there was also an effort by Shelter House and with some help from various entities, including the city, to provide uh, people who were refusing shelter or providing them extra fuel for warmth and things like that. So this was all happening. Um, again, well, many of us were comfortably safe and warm. Um, and so I just kind of kind of want to do that, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and pause. And uh, J Jeff or Redmond, what did I forget? Yeah, jump right in. Just <laughs> and thank you, Re thank you, Redmond, for being part of that. I, that was uh, above and beyond the call, and it, it is is appreciated. I was just going to add that uh, Darian uh, was also using her personal vehicle as as well as. Um, um, Mark. Mark, yes, thank um, you. I was also uh, using uh, his personal vehicle to get uh, folks around. So it was, it was very, actually very uh, enjoyable to, to meet folks and, and, and get them to their home. So um, it was a pleasure. Great. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, I appreciate the, the, the kind comments. And uh, staff certainly been working hard. Um, and it's really um, all, all hands on. You know, you've got water staff that are taking care of breaks and then maintaining the sidewalks at the at the wa different water facilities. Uh, our facilities uh, staff here taking care of uh, the sidewalks around City Hall, uh, also dealing with uh, a roof leak uh, here at City Hall. Jason Havel left, but he no longer has an office here because of the roof leak. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, we had a pipe burst at the rec center. We've got temperature issues at Senior Center and Terry Trueblood. So it's kind of all hands on deck. Uh, the transportation staff is not only driving folks around, but uh, they're clearing curb ramps downtown, clearing the parking decks at the upper levels uh, as well. So it's been uh, exhausting for many many staff members responding and then there's a lot of folks behind the scenes that are working hard our communication staff are on call pretty much at all times uh, waiting for those updates and trying to get those out to the to the community as well so appreciate council's uh, support and um, I know the Public Works crew will be downtown the next two nights hauling all of the snow out uh, and taking it over to our old Public Works campus where it'll probably be there until July. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, certainly um, a long, exhausting effort too as we do that, uh, primarily in those uh, midnight to 3 a.m. hours. I think it's worth pointing out too with the extreme cold, um, a lot of streets are still packed snow and ice because it's too cold for the salt to do be very effective. Mm -hmm. um, but I did have, because I work in Cedar Rapids, I did have occasion to drive through Cedar Rapids and North Liberty, um, sometimes detouring around blocked 380. Um, 
and it's very consistent, like different municipalities all kind of in the same boat where done the best they could to get it down to pavement, but sometimes that hasn't been possible yet. Hopefully as we get a few degrees warmer, we'll see some more of that pavement reappearing in our city streets. I would also, as one side note, just to underline kind of what this has been like. So from Iowa City to Cedar Rapids this morning, I counted 67 cars and trucks in the ditch along 80 and 380. Um, just in that that stretch of stretch of highway, so it was a you know a pretty big reminder of what it's like to live in the upper Midwest. Yeah, I'll just echo the thanks to all the city staff and speak a little bit to my transit experiences the last week oh. or so. So on Tuesday, I believe was the day that that service had to be canceled partway through the day, but I took an early bus in, and I will just say that the every transit operator has been so cheerful throughout and staying so close to schedule or on schedule is just phenomenal. And I had um, that morning, there was someone who on the number five bus who hopped on with his dollar and the driver just said, no, no, it's free. And the little exchange between them and the guy being like, oh, I should ride the bus more often. I'm like, yes, you should. <laughs> so big thanks to our transit operators keeping that going, even when, I mean, so many days I thought, boy, they're going to have to cancel service, but it was just that one half day. So well done. Counselor Dunn, your hand is raised. Yeah, sorry, I was having some technical difficulties. Um, I just also, you know, in addition to all of the, uh, the, you know, the commendations that we're giving to city staff and, um, you know, everyone else who's, who stepped up when, when things got tough, um, I also want to commend uh, a couple of uh, people in the community, um, community groups, the Catholic Worker House uh, that did some major work uh, with, uh, you know, support for Shelter House, serving meals. Um, as well as members of the punk community who uh, who showed up and were able to help out uh, distributing, um, you know, food, fuel, and other necessary uh, resources for survival, again, to a lot of unhoused people um, during a, a time of, of great need and struggle. So um, just making sure that we, we, we thank everyone, you know, that we possibly can. Um, there's many more people <laughs> that also stepped up. Uh, during this time, but just want to make sure that the people that I know, uh, you know, get the recognition that's deserved. I wanted to um, remind uh, fellow counselors that I'll be going to Washington, D.C. tomorrow um, through Friday, and that's for the U.S. Conference of Mayors and also for the Mayor's Innovation Project. Um, on Saturday, we um, are very fortunate that Iowa City um, is being recognized nationally by some of the uh, climate action innovative projects that we're doing. And so Sarah Gardner, she's going to be going to represent Iowa City on Saturday um, at the Mayor's Innovation Project and share what we're doing right here in little old Iowa City. So I'll be very proud of, um, I'm very proud of, the, of this opportunity and happy that Sarah was able to step in. Yeah, and while I will be the mayor during that time, so yeah. if you have any question, the best time to reach out to me is like phone call or maybe text message. That's, I think, the best way because sometimes emails will be delaying a little bit. So you have my phone. And if you don't have it, it's on the website of the City of Iowa City website. So. Great. If no other updates, we're going to move on to item number 12. And this is a report from our uh, city staff. We'll start with our city manager's office. Nothing further tonight. Thank you. Our city attorney. Uh, briefly, Mr. Mayor, you may recall, <clears throat> I think at our last meeting that in response to a question Councilor Burgess posed about uh, the uh, Charter Commission, I retorted that, that uh, lawyers are good for any assignment. It turns out that lawyers are not high on the draft board for blizzard response. Okay. So uh, we uh, went about our business, of course, as usual, but did not contribute much to the cause. Okay. Our city clerk. I have nothing. Okay. <laughs> Item number 13. Could I get a motion to adjourn, please? So moved, Harmson. Second. Sorry. <laughs> all right, moved by Harmson, seconded by Saleh. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed, we are adjourned. Aye.